Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. We're glad you're journeying with us, and we hope that you find value from the teachings. If you'd like to connect or support the mission of Grace and Peace Church, check us out at graceandpeacechurch.org or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Grace and Peace. Um, Again, good morning, and thank you all for being with us today. We love our chance on a fifth Sunday to gather, to have a meal together. Uh, But we also want to take the time to share what's been going on in the church and uh, incorporate anyone who wants to take another step in sort of their community journey with us. So that's what we're doing today. Uh, One of the main ways that I think our church has been connecting throughout the week is through Lectio Divina. So uh, I've got this book here. Raise your hand if you're familiar with it. You've seen it been doing maybe a little something with it. All right, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Not the book necessarily, but certainly the practice. So um, Lectio Divino is this idea of like holy reading, careful listening, um, being attentive to the words of God spoken to us very particularly, very personally. So we've got a lot of ways that people have been participating in that. Um, Some people have picked up the book and are doing solo reading. Like every day, if you open it up, it tracks through. You write the date on it, so it's not dictating to you. You're just writing down maybe a date that you encountered that. It's got a scripture reading. And the idea of the scripture reading is that you read it, and again, and again, and you just respond to the word that really stands out to you. Something maybe spoken to your heart, spoken to your mind. And then you have an opportunity to write that down, to journal something about it, to just say, hey, this is my word of the day. Or maybe it takes you a little bit further. Uh, Another way that we've been doing that is through phone chat groups. And if you didn't know, our kids are in a chat group together um, with myself and with their parents. So every morning, they get a scripture sent out. And if it fits their morning, then we get a word back how each of them is responding to scripture. And then their parents get to be a part of that. And I think the other beauty of that is um, there's a lot to say that as children grow up, if they've got at least five adults in their lives who care about them, who pour into them, they have actually a better chance of being like responsive and compassionate adults who know that they're well-loved. So we're trying to build a community around our kids as well as anyone else. I've got another chat group that um, sort of accidentally is a bunch of women. Um, (laughs) It's just been ongoing for a long time, and we've decided to incorporate the Lectio Divina into that day. Um, And there's people in there from Texas and from Sacramento because we've just invited our friends into that space. So we do the same thing. Uh, It's actually Lindsay runs that. We get a scripture every morning, and then we respond to that. And then we also use that to talk about um, how we pray for each other and how we might encourage each other during the week. So I'm just curious. I know how, it's, um, how it goes in my little morning groups, but I would love to hear from anyone who's either been using the book, maybe working as a couple, working solo. Um, this is kind of our chance to just chat about how those are going. So. Um, So we can, hopefully we'll all stay and chat a little bit about this afterward too. So if any of that is intriguing, if you're like, oh, that's easier than I thought, um, do stay around afterward. See if there's a way that you can connect if you haven't already um, to 
be a part of that ongoing. I don't think we have any plans to stop. Um, we've, as a, like the ladies, have been in a group for a long time. So I imagine that's going to keep on going. But we also talked about, Nate mentioned at the end, or at the end of the service last week, that as we approach the end of the month, that we'll also give time for people to come in or leave out of their groups and experiences. Um, so kind of like with no pressure, you know, if we do things sort of 30 days at a time, then you know that it's coming to an end. Obviously, you can jump in anytime. Like we just change our chat group. We just add people to it. Um, but yeah, that's just a, a conversation maybe for after the service. But for anyone who hasn't seen that um, kind of practice yet, I also wanted to do that today. So I'm going to do with you what I do with my, um, my kids in the morning at school. So we start out with one minute of breathing. Um, we actually, their favorite exercise is called melting, but you'd all end up on the floor, so we're not going to do that. So this is just one minute of box breathing. And the idea is that you just let everything sort of fall by the wayside. Let the pressure go. Just breathe through it. Um, so you can fix your thought then on scripture. And scripture will come up afterward, and I'll give you a little lead into it. I'm going to read it three times, and then I'll give you some instruction for response. So Andy, go ahead, and we'll just follow the prompts on the screen. So we'll just stay in this quiet place, and we'll put a scripture on the screen. And just for reference, these passages come first from the context of Jesus' arrest, and then later his trial. And we're just going to listen into these conversations and listen with our hearts and minds to think of what is Jesus maybe saying to our spirits about himself. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Am I leading a band of armed men against you? Asked Jesus. Do you have to come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Are you the Messiah? Are you the son of the blessed one? Asked the high priest. I am, said Jesus. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one. You will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. And again, the men seized Jesus and arrested him. Am I leading a band of armed men against you, asked Jesus? Do you have to come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Are you the Messiah? Are you the son of the blessed one, asked the high priest? I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One. You will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. And the last time, the men seized Jesus and arrested him. Am I leading a band of armed men against you, asked Jesus? Do you have to come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Are you the Messiah? Are you the son of the blessed one? Asked the high priest. I am, said Jesus. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one. You will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. And so now the question is, what word or phrase stands out to you? Like what's maybe been the focal point of this moment of meditation? And there's no wrong answers. Obviously, your answers can vary. But if you maybe share your word, that can also become your focus for the day. So for anybody, you can raise your hand, and we'll just kind of manage responses. Mimi? Right hand of the mighty one. 
So what I do with my class is, does anyone else share that as their phrase, the right hand of the mighty one? Any other original phrases or words stand out? Son of man. Mm, son of man. Did that stand out for anyone else? Any other original words or phrases? Mm-hmm. You will see. Does that stand out to anyone? Another original? It stood out to you as well? Messiah. Messiah. Did that stand out to anyone? Mm -hmm. Are there any other original words or phrases? I am. I am. Mm -hmm. And so as we hear from everybody, my prayer generally is that during the day, that that comes back, that they're reminded that if it's son of man, that son of man is present for you. If it's I am, that it's I am. If it's that strong hand, that you feel the strength of the Lord and you know that for the day. And if it was nothing, then you sat for a moment, you spent time in scripture, and that's fine as well. So there was sort of no wrong way to do it. And I'll say is, um, classroom management, it's gold. But um, really, just for what it does, for I know for my spirit in the day, for the kids and how it's um, affected our classroom and what it does in our group, um, I just can't be more pleased. So um, the idea is that hopefully the word does become a focus point, And it may or may not. It may come back through the day. It, ideally maybe shapes our thoughts and actions. So I thought I'd just tell you about something that happened um, for me with response to that, how starting my day in this way, and then sort of maybe inadvertently or ideally intentionally, sort of spending my day looking through that lens of scripture or that focus word actually has returned. Like I always hope it shapes me, I always hope it affects my actions, but I just thought I'd tell you a story about a day that it did. So um, this a set of passages that we just read, I actually had read a few weeks before. And that day, like Andy, what I heard was I am, and I heard it contrasted against am I. So am I leading an army? And the question was no. I am the Messiah. I am. I am the son of the blessed one. So that sent me thinking about the other I am statements of Jesus. And I posted them up there. I didn't remember all of them at the moment, but I knew they were there. And so I was trying to go through my head and think of what I could recall. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the vine. So this I am stuff is just rattling around in my head. Like, it's there, but I'm going about my day. Sometimes I'm thinking about I am. Like sometimes it comes back, but honestly, I'm just thinking about the stuff of the day. I have classes, I have kids, but I knew that starting my day with scripture was good. It's a good start to the day, and I know that sometimes it seeps in, and when I start, I do hope that it'll come back. So later on, I'm driving home from work. I do two things driving home. I call my mom, and if she doesn't answer, then I listen to my favorite podcast, and my favorite podcast is the weirdest thing I learned this week. And it's from the editors of Popular Science. 10 out of 10, totally recommend that. So 
that day, I was learning about a light bulb, like a single specific light bulb. And it's the one at the Livermore Fire Station. And there it is. That's the actual light bulb. So we'll go one picture ahead. It's now called the Centennial Bulb. It has a Facebook page. It's on Instagram. And it has a webcam mounted pointing at it so you can look at it 24 hours a day. And the link is broken, and I really wanted to show it. But this is, this is something. So uh, here's just a little information. This light bulb was installed in 1901, like this light bulb. There was a change in the station location in 1937. So one guy was in charge. Like, they have to do everything to shift a station, right? Trucks got to go. Stuff has to go. But the light bulb needed to go because it was that important to the crew. Like, when they got called out, they would come down, tap the bulb, and go on their way. Like, that was sort of their routine, right? So they've got to protect the bulb. So one guy's in charge. He encases the bulb, travels it to the new station. They go to install it. Nothing. And everybody's just crushed. But then they're like, hang on. So somebody like does the wiring thing, does the jiggle thing, and the bulb comes on. Not only does it come on, it comes on brighter than it should have. And then it finally like dimmed to a normal wattage, and the bulb is still there. So this is like an overtime thing, that it has sort of developed its own persona, that there's been a following to this light bulb. Like over time, like over 120 years of time for this single light bulb. So I'm listening to this podcast, and I'm hooked. Like, what is up with this magical light bulb? And I just want to know more. So I'm still listening. And the editors go on, and they share a few points of fact about it, because it's not magic, right? The question is, like, what is the science behind this bulb? And I'm sure, I'm positive, that the editors have no intention of sending me back to Jesus. But that's actually my point about discipline and letting the word of God take our thoughts captive. So they go on to explain that this bulb was produced by the Shelby Electric Company. And they add two important facts. This bulb was hand-blown, and the filament is superheated to the point that it forms a carbon, and the carbon is multiple times harder than a diamond. So that's its production process. It turns out that this product line, like this bulb, the best bulbs ever made all time anywhere. They were like, as a group, they were collectively long-lived. But this one, at 120 years of burning, is like the best of the best. Like, it's excellent. It's special just by itself. So scientists are just intrigued about this bulb. Like, there's even maybe a plan to dissect it if it ever comes apart to, like, find out what was going on. So right now, they're just hypothesized about, like, why? Why is this one bulb burning? So they're thinking that maybe in the formation of the bulb and the attachment of that thread fixture, a vacuum seal was created. And it's so perfectly sealed that there is no room at all for decomposition. So in the state that it was made, in that hardened carbon, it's just like fixed in time. And it's just doing its thing, and it's perfect. So I'm listening to this, and the summary that I'm getting is this bulb burns constantly and faithfully because of its unique handiwork. There is none other identical to it. 
and its core was hardened in fire, like built to last, be unfailing in its mission. And according to its formation, nothing can infect it or deform it. Like, what a light bulb, right? The best light bulb in the world. The light of the world. I am the light of the world. And then that comes back. I'm driving along, and that comes back. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I am the light of the world. So that's me. I'm driving along, listening to popular science. I just want weird facts. And there's Jesus back in the day. So I'm asking myself, what kind of light am I? Am I a Shelby? And there's no way that scripture meant this at the time. But for me at that moment, you are the light of the world became be a Shelby light bulb. Like an ad campaign in my head, be a Shelby. And I know what that means, right? It means shine faithfully and push back the darkness. And I'm like, oh yeah, two weeks ago, Nate said, push back the darkness. And then let the fires of life temper you for longevity, like to live out the mission and continuously so. Insulate your core against corruption and pollution. Keep your spirit pure so that your love may be pure, dedicated to God alone and to his people, your neighbors, and yourself. And so somehow in that moment, the morning phone chat, that Lectio moment that started with Lindsay, that I connected to at 7 a.m., came back and became concrete in the middle of my day. So scripture was just placed in my hands. I listened and I responded, and then something unexpected, like totally unrelated, brought it back to mind, and my thoughts were captivated again. So now there's another part to the story, still listening. Shelby made the greatest bulbs ever. Like, if the previous generation had bought Shelby bulbs, fitted out their homes, fitted their businesses, they would never have had to buy another bulb. That would have been it, one purchase. Brilliant products, right? Horrible business model. So, super intentionally, later years, the product's facsimiles were intentionally modified to fail, and that was the introduction of planned obsolescence. So I'm actually going to include a link in, in our page, like if you're interested in sort of the, um, the industrial decision and the corporate stuff behind that, you can take a look at that. But it did lead me also to one more Jesus-related uh, conclusion. All approximations of the original are inferior. So like that original long-burning Shelby, there is only one true light of the world. Thank you, popular science, for making that connection for me. It's like, as consumers, we would not knowingly choose an inferior or defective product. They're on the market. They're definitely out there. But we wouldn't knowingly, intentionally do that. So I'm going to say, as people of faith, we should not also substitute the lesser gods of this world for the one creator and redeemer, the one and great I am. I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One. You will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus is the embodiment of I am. And so to him, 
true disciples commit their lives, their hearts, their minds, their hands. And in his name, we gather and we remember. And I'll say that I think as Christ followers, we might remember best in the act of communion, the meal of of story and of thanksgiving. And so, in the heart of our meal time together, I'll say, like, let's turn our our thoughts to communion. So all of the elements are on the table in front of you, and I'll ask one person if you'll pour out the cups for each person in your group, and we'll have those at ready. So I'll give you just a sec for that. Paul, if you get done, maybe you can hand your um, bottle over to Nate. We'll take care of that table. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a difference to just like treating it really quickly. Like, oh, this stood out. But like if you have to sit with it, and that's why with the kids too in the morning, the act of breathing takes them out of whatever they were in the middle of. And hearing it by the third time, it usually has that effect. Yeah, that's good. All right, everybody has theirs. So um, at the table, first of all, is bread. So you can uncover the bread. With bread, we remember Jesus who also said, I am the bread of life, and who gave his whole self to the mission of our redemption. On the night of his arrest, Where our story came from, Jesus took the bread and he lifted it up and he broke it before his disciples and he said, do this in remembrance of me. If you haven't yet, take the bread, it's gluten-free bread, and break it and remember his sacrifice. And in taking part in the bread, join yourself to him, take part in him. And also at the table is wine, here it's juice. Jesus also said, take this and drink this and remember that I have poured out myself for you for the sake of the world. So if you haven't yet, take your drink and recall and receive the gift and grace of God in Christ. And that brings us to the end of our meal together, our morning together. So let me over that offer a common prayer of thanksgiving Almighty and ever-living God, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we are living members of the body of your Son and heirs of your eternal kingdom. And now, Father, send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. And with that, we are sent out. But as I said, before you go, I do hope that you'll hang out for a bit. If you're interested in getting into a chat room and grabbing a book and meeting with someone that maybe you connected with more this morning and just saying, hey, will you be my accountability partner? Can we figure out a way to do this? Um, Do stay and uh, make that happen for yourself. And if it does happen, I do hope that 
the divine word does seep into your life during your weeks and on a regular basis. Let me read our benediction. Rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us, guiding and protecting us. Share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. Amen.